Good morning, church. How are you? It's good to, good to see you all this morning. Um, we are. We're diving back into Malachi. Um, so last week, Isaac opened us up um, in Malachi. We started, and um, this is a book where God has a message for his people, Israel, um, which he speaks through the prophet Malachi. And it opens with this statement that Isaac shared. It opens with, I have always loved you. That's the first thing God wants his people to know. I've always loved you. And he explains how um, he has loved them in a, in a really um, understanding way. And if you haven't heard of Isaac, uh, Isaac's message last week, it is, it is super good. I, I encourage you to go and check that out if you haven't heard it already. Um, I really appreciated this moment that Isaac gave us to, to think about, uh, you know, as we are God's people too, um, that moment to think about what is it, what, what's it like for us thinking about how God has always loved us, um, God has always loved his people. Um, but today I have a question for you. How many of you guys would consider yourselves a reader? You like to read. How many of you? Oh, lots. Man, you guys have a quality that I am yet to cultivate. Um, I'm, a really, I'm really good at starting to read. I, I get excited and I start, like I pick up a book, I'll, I'll start making my way through it. But um, usually the follow through is pretty poor. Um, so I'm always about halfway through like six or seven books at any one time. There's very few books on my bookshelf that I've made it all the way through. Um, but one of the books I have is this book here. Um, Philip Yancey's Disappointment with God. And it's a really good book. Um, well, at least the first half of it is. <laughs> I, really, I really know. You'll notice I'm about to read something from quite early, early on. Um, but in this book, uh, it really highlights a God who loves um, and, and, and a God who interacts with humans from, from this heart of love. Uh, Philip Yancey recalls this point in his life where he's, he's sort of questioning um, whether his understanding of God really lines up with the God that we see um, in the Bible. And um, Yancey kind of talks about how he'd always learned to think of God as an unchanging, invisible spirit who possesses such qualities as omnipotence, omnis omniscience, and impassibility, which means basically like incapable of emotion, um, not rocked. Um, so he'd learned to think about God this way, and he started to sort of question, um, does my understanding of God, you know, f like, how does it line up? How does it overlay with the God we read about in the Bible? And so he talk Yancey talks about how he starts reading the Bible and finds himself marveling at this realization that God is capable of such emotion. Um, this is what it says. He says, um, I marveled at how much God lets human beings affect him. I was unprepared for the joy and anguish, in short, the passion of the God of the universe. By studying about God, by taming him and reducing him to words and concepts that could be filed away in alphabetical order, I had lost the force of the passionate relationship God seeks above all else. And throughout the Old Testament, we read about this relationship that God's seeking to build with the nation of Israel um, as his people. He, he responds to their needs. He responds to their requests to be guided by him. And the whole time, God is faithful to them, even when they are not. And Isaac spoke really well to that last week. And it's a theme that we're going to keep seeing as we keep reading through the book of Malachi. Um, but as we read through the book of Malachi, we're, this message that opens with God declaring his love for his people 
we're going to see how that love is expressing itself. We're going to see how God's love is expressing itself. Um, And so we're going to continue on in Malachi um, chapter 1, starting in verse 6. So I encourage you, if you can, um, get it in front of you somehow. We're going to spend some good time here this morning. We've got a little bit to read through. Um, Yeah, Malachi, it's the last book in the Old Testament, um, chapter 1, verse 6. Because at this point in the relationship, God... The loving God has some, some things to say. He's, he's got some responses towards the attitude of his people, which is what he's going to focus on in this, in this passage that we're, that we're reading today. So Malachi chapter 1, starting in verse 6, says this. The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priests, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master... Where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead and beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all, asked the Lord of heaven's armies. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you dishonor my name with your actions. By bringing contemptible food, you are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asked the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared. Among the nations. Have you guys ever become aware? Has anyone ever made you aware of something you're doing that's hurting them? Has anyone ever taken the time to point out something to let you know ways that you've been hurting them? Because that's what's happening here. God is not pleased. He explicitly says that. Why? Firstly, because these people understand the framework of honor and respect, but they choose not to show it to God. It says, a son honors his father, a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where is the honor and respect I deserve? It's like God saying, you're supposed to know who I am. You're supposed to be my people, but you don't know who I am. You don't know me as a father. You don't know me as a master. You don't know me the way you're supposed to. Um, 
you don't recognize the reality of who I am. Because if you did, you'd be, the, you'd be doing this differently. These people understood what it meant to worship something. They understood authority and how to show it. Yet they, they directed it towards other things. Um, other than the God who deserved it. And in fact, it kind of seemed like they started to take it for granted, or they were taking it for granted, right? Did you guys notice how many times God refers to himself as the Lord of heaven's armies? The Lord of heaven's armies. It's like God has to remind these guys. Like, it's like God has to remind us of, of his majesty and his authority and his might. Um, he's saying, don't forget who I am. I'm the one who commands even the heavenly realms. He's stronger than any power on earth. In fact, he spoke into existence. He's, he's an amazing God, and he has the authority to command the very forces of heaven. He's a great God, a great king, as he refers to himself in this text. But he's not just majestic, right? He's also personal, and he's wanting to work with us in the ways that he knows we need it. And he was, he was wanting to do that with his people, but they were taking it for granted. And it's like through all these verses, we can hear God saying, My people, I love you, but you're hurting me. My people, I love you, but you're hurting me. Like I said throughout the Old Testament, we read about this relationship God's seeking to build with the nation of Israel as his people. He responds to their needs, their requests to be guided by him. God gives them a whole lot of guidance um, about how to be human and the ways that, that help them to thrive and help them to live together and help them to um, understand the reality of his holiness. And one way specifically that's relevant for our message today is um, how he provides them a way to reconcile for their mistakes. So when they can't be holy in themselves... God allows them to use an animal from their herd to be sacrificed, um, humanely. So if there's animal lovers, this is going to be a hard session for you. But this was the situation. When, when they couldn't be holy in themselves, God provided a way. Um, he allowed them to use an animal from their herd to be sacrificed. Um, but as a picture of, of the holiness that God's presence necessitated, the animal was to be as perfect as possible, um, always a specific type of animal um, with, like, with no defects, so that it would become like a picture of what stands in our place for our guilt. And it's actually a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that God gives people, gives the people ways to be reconciled back to him despite their mistakes, despite their shortcomings. And in Leviticus, God speaks of honoring them for obeying his instructions. Um, Leviticus 26 says, If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season. The ground will yield its crops, the trees their fruit. You will eat the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in the land. You will lie down and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land. The sword will not pass through your country. He, he, he says so, he's basically saying, if you'll be my people, I will be your God. I'll protect you. I'll see that you thrive. I'll be your God. And throughout all the instructions he gives to the Levites, there's this resound. 
for I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. He's saying, if, if you'll be my people, I'll be your God. But the people that we're reading about in Malachi, the people chose not to respect this. Um, they don't say it with their words. They say it with their actions. Um, by offering all sorts of diseased and sick and crippled animals in, in the place of, or instead of the unblemished sacrifices that God asked of them. Um, I actually found a few animals that might fit into this category when I was searching online this week. Um, hopefully uh, on the next slide. Uh, this, is, this is Jemina. Uh, she's a crooked-necked giraffe who lived in the Santa Barbara Zoo. Um, she became famous for having this um, strange deformity in her neck, um, which became noticeable at the age of three years old. Um, her neck was bent by 90 degrees between her C3 and C4 vertebrae. Um, and uh, it's so rare that it has not been documented in another giraffe since 1902. So that's like, I don't know, at least 100 years. Um, apparently, Jemina lived longer than your average giraffe, though. So it didn't really keep her down, which is awesome. Um, this is uh, an impala with a deformed horn. So one of its horns growing up like normal, one's going down. Um, uh, people think the abnormity was um, caused, likely caused by an injury during, during growth. Um, this is Stumpy. Stumpy is a four-legged, well, he was born as a four-legged duckling. Um, and the extra pair of legs didn't actually stay on very long. Um, one, one of his legs, he got caught in a fence um, in his first year of life, and it, it fell off. Um, and the other just fell off by itself um, in the following year. So he eventually went on to live life like any other duck. Good news. Um, this is Toby. <laughs> Toby is an Australian shepherd born with two noses. Um, and he was abandoned by his previous owners, but rescued by a successful music producer, Todd Ray, um, who claims that both noses work very well. And in fact, Toby has an incredible sense of smell. Um, and finally, this is Oscar. Um, Oscar is the world's first bionic cat. Um, an accident in 2009 led to him becoming the first animal with two bionic leg implants. Um, but I don't know how life went for Oscar. It sounded quite complicated, because the last thing you read about Oscar is he was, like, getting infected and needed a new foot, and that's the last thing you can read on Wikipedia. So I, I don't know how Oscar's story ended. But these, these were not the animals that the Israelites were bringing to God. Um, but the Israelites were bringing animals that were really, like, second-rate when they had the means to bring something far more appropriate. Uh, like we read, think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asked the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is to be feared among the nations. My name is feared among the nations. Our actions towards God show, show so much more than what our words can say. And this was the act of worship. Um, and it was showing how they were really feeling towards God. Um, they acted like what he told them wasn't important to keep to. Um, they didn't understand this picture, which was supposed to reveal the seriousness of their sin. 
Um, some of them made out, like we heard, some of them made out like they were doing way better, um, doing better things than what they really were. So they, they, they'd lost the genuineness, they'd lost their authenticity. Um, and, and, and others just wanted to keep the best for themselves instead of trust God for the blessings that he said he would provide them when they follow him. And all of these reveal the state of their heart attitude. And the more I learn about God, the more I read the Bible, you just see that that's what God cares about. God cares about the posture, the attitude of our hearts. And that's what he's really getting at here. And I think this is where we find some of our common ground with the Israelites too, right? If there's things that he's been specific to us about that we decide to ignore um, when we don't perceive the real impact of sin, um, when we're not genuine and authentic in our words and actions, trying to make ourselves look better than we really are, um, and when we just try and grasp the best for ourselves, hold on to the best for ourselves, instead of holding it in reverence before God. My people... I love you, but you're hurting me. As we read on, we see perhaps maybe the worst part of all this is that the priests at the temple, they're supposed to be the ones authenticating the, um, like the acceptability of these sacrifices, but they too are letting this stuff go, are fostering this attitude towards it all. Uh, Malachi 2, if you've still got it open, Malachi 2 continues, Listen, you priests, this command is for you. Listen to me. And make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of heaven's armies, or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from your festival sacrifices, and I will throw you on the manure pile. This is, I feel like this is spoken with the kind of emotion that only a jilted lover could like foster, I feel, I feel that. Um, where are we? Then at last you will know that it was I who sent you this warning so that the, my covenant with the Levites can, Levites can continue, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Listen to this. The purpose of my covenant with the Levites was to bring life and peace, and that is what I gave them. This required reverence from them, and they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name. They passed on to the people the truth of the instructions they received from me. They did not lie or cheat. They walked with me, living good and righteous lives, and they turned many from, from lives of sin. The words of a priest's lips should preserve knowledge of God. And people should go to him for instruction, for the priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's armies. But you priests have left God's paths. Your instructions have caused many to stumble into sin. You have corrupted the covenant I made with the Levites, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So I have made you despised and humiliated in the eyes of all the people. For you have not obeyed me, but you have shown favoritism and the way you carry out my instructions. There's a, there's a contrast here. God's showing the difference between what this could be and what's happened, what's going on here. The earlier priests that, that he refers to as the Levites, they revered God's name. They held to his instructions. 
They lived good and righteous lives, and in doing so, they turned many away from sin. And that all brought life and peace, which was the purpose of it all. The current priests, the one that, that God's speaking to, they showed contempt for God's name. They left God's ways, or at least showed favoritism about what instructions they followed. And in doing so, they caused many to stumble into sin. And that in itself brings curse and destruction. Why do you think God's saying it this way? Why is he painting this contrast here? What's the picture that he wants us to see? You know, when someone important in my life makes the effort to point something out that, um, that they think needs pointing out, uh, yeah, it's a sign that they care about me, right? But it's, ultimately, they're not just trying to make me feel bad. Ultimately, their hope is that I'm going to see either what's not helpful about what I'm doing or what's way more helpful about doing it a different way. And God points all this out like, like a massive invitation, I think, to his people. He says, my purpose was to bring life and peace, and that's what I gave those who followed me. And in doing so, they lived good lives. They turned others away from the sin that eats away at that. And he calls them, in verse 2, he says, make up your minds and listen to me. He calls them back to himself. He calls them to come back to him. His love never wants to leave anyone in a broken state. He doesn't want to just point it out and leave them there. He wants to, he wants to show us the way, right? He's, his love is always an inviting thing. His love is always a hopeful thing. My people, I love you, but you're hurting me. God was pointing out to the Israelites what was wrong so that they could be invited into something better. I have a question for us. What about us? Are we willing to hear the ways that we might be hurting God's loving heart? I know that's a hard question to ask, but I think it's one that comes out of this passage that we're reading. You know, some of these people's actions were very obvious and very deliberate, but there were other things that weren't that obvious, that were more subtle, that were more woven into the culture and the practices and the, the community to the point where people couldn't really see the wood for the trees anymore. Whether it's obvious or not, the people, they don't, they don't see it, or they, at least they don't acknowledge it, right? How have we shown contempt for your name? How have we defiled these sacrifices. It's a theme we keep seeing as we, as we go through the book of Malachi, the people not perceiving that what they're doing is, is causing offense to God, um, is hurting this relationship that's, that's supposed to be bringing them life and peace. Um, but something the book of Malachi continues to show us is that God helps people see. God helps people see. And it's, it's an inviting thing. It's a hopeful thing. Um, it's, it's something that's showing the way. Um, and he can be clear about it. He doesn't beat around the bush, eh? Like some of those verses. He, he, can, he can be clear when we need clarity. Uh, we see that in today's passage for sure. Are we willing to hear the ways 
that we might be hurting God's loving heart. What does God want us to see in, in our day, in our lives, in our hearts? What does he want to put his finger on in his inviting and hopeful and loving way? Do you guys ever ask him that kind of thing? It's kind of scary, right? One of the most helpful practices I've adopted this year has been... Um, as I've been working through some of the deeper wrestles and challenges in my life, um, and some of you know, like I'm working through some pretty deep personal um, questions. Um, something my mentor has taught me as I recall moments in my life um, where these things have shown up, um, she's taught me to, to bring them before God and just say to him, God, if there was anything in this moment that wasn't of you, I want you to show me. Um, and I want you to take it. And I want, I want to leave it with you because I don't want to live my life under something that's not of you. And it's, it's a stance that's trusting God that he sees it way more clearer, way more truer than I see my life. And... It trusts the wisdom and the goodness that he has to, to, to work with it, um, to show me what he wants me to show me in order to be the person he wants me to be. It's essentially saying, God, show me if there's anything you want me to see here. And sometimes things come to mind, sometimes they don't. But either way, I've found the most peace I have in my whole life, I reckon, um, just holding things before God as much as I know how. And asking him to, to help me see what he wants me to see. I've, I've found rest in that place. And lately I've been asking him to do that with, with my heart attitude as well. Not just moments in life. Because um, he has purpose in what he wants to reveal to us. And it's to bring life and peace. Like David writes in the Psalms, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. It's like David's seeing this tendency that, that we have to stray from God's paths like the Israelites did. So he invites God to, to see his heart and to show him what's going on down there. So I want to finish today by bringing the same question to us. What does God want to help us see? Does he want to point out anything that that offends. How does he want to lead us along the path of everlasting life? It's a confronting question. Um, maybe one um, you might not find yourself quite ready to ask. Um, I, th I think it depends on like what you know of God, what you what, what, like, what you know of Him to be like, and His heart towards you. Um, so I'm sure if that's not a question you feel ready to ask yet, I'm sure God wants to just meet you there and show you how much you can, you're safe with him and you can trust him, which I think he'll do anyway for all of us as we ask him, God, in my life, in my attitude, in my heart towards you, what do you want me to see? What do you want to point out here? I can't answer that. You can't really answer that from your own like, knowledge and perspective and understanding as well as God can. God can answer that. 
And often I've been surprised by the way God reveals things to me. Um, there's an unexpectedness in how he sees things that are different to how I do and, 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 in, and what really matters to him. Um, they're not always the same things I expected him to focus on or the ways I thought he'd go about it. But he's got a perfection to his approach and to his timing and to everything he does. And just like he did with the Israelites in Malachi, he can speak clearly to show us what he wants us to see. He might use others. He might not. He'll probably use his word. He could use anything. Look for him. Listen for him. Ask him to help you see what he sees so that you can be brought closer towards him, closer toward the life and peace and the good purposes he has for us. And hey, it's okay. He's not, he's not just some accuser. That's not the tone of his voice. Um, he knows what he's doing as he shows us the things we need to see in order to be the people we're made to be. And there's, there's always such an awareness of his love amongst it. We see that here too. So I'm going to finish by praying for us, and, and, and the team are going to come. Team, if you want to jump up, the team is going to come and lead us in a time of worship. And I encourage you to use this time to keep talking to God about all this, to keep reflecting on that question. Spend time with him, asking him to show you what he wants you to see, and being open to hear if, if he wants to point out anything that he wants you to know right now. We're his, we're his people, and he loves us, right? And it's in his love that we are always safe as we are undone and redone and in this invitation to restoration that he's giving us. So let's pray. God, you are a great and powerful God. You're the Lord of heaven's armies. And you're also full of love and faithfulness. You've called us your people. You've made us your people once again. And it's an honor that we are learning how to fully recognize, how to, how to fully represent. So teach us, God. Teach us to revere your name. Would you teach our hearts to to know your ways for us. Search us, O oh God, and know our hearts. Test and know our thoughts. Point out anything in us that offends you and lead us along the path of everlasting life so that we can know the life and peace you want to show us. As we walk in this invitation that you give us, even as we take time now, Help us see what you want us to see. Help us to live with that kind of posture so you can lead us along your paths, God. In the name of Jesus, the name that even makes it possible for us to be reconciled to you, the perfect sacrifice for all of humanity. In the name of Jesus, show us what you want us to see. In the name of Jesus. Amen.